All right, guys, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 as we continue in our uh, Power to Be series, Acts 1-8. I hope you'll find that in your Bible or find that in, uh, on your device. We are learning about what happens as God's power operates in our life, in real life. I started last week a message I want to complete today. I didn't have the opportunity to finish it. That's so important. I don't want anybody to miss it. We're confronting the spirit of fear through the power of the Holy Spirit. As I listen to people, as I, as I, I talk and I counsel and I pray and just see what's going on in, in our news media and our social media outlets, there is a pandemic of fear that has been launched against this nation. I've never seen such a spirit of fear, never seen so many people battling this in their life, people that have never had to deal with that before. People have told me, Pastor, I've never had fear like this. I've never been fearful. It seems like you're just, we're inundated with this all the time. And I really sensed God's direction last week to present this message. It's really, um, I, it's, you know, there are Bible studies and Bible lessons. Every part of the Word is great. But sometimes God just says, here's a rhema word. I want to take something and say, this is for you today. And that's where we are. I believe as you listen to this, as you receive his word, faith is going to rise in your heart. Amen. How many say, I'm, I'm ready for faith. And it's going to overcome fear. So I'm going to, I'm going to help us walk through some, some issues today. Now let's look at first, or Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want to just read this verse. And then step into the, uh, what we're going to study. How does this apply? Acts 1 verse 8. This is the kind of the launch verse of the whole book of Acts. You know the book of Acts is the eyewitness history of how the church began. So this verse is probably the key verse to that whole book. Acts 1 8 says this, but you will receive what? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses. And uh, where? In Jerusalem, that's where they were. In Judea, that's the state they were in. In Samaria, that's cross-cultural communication of the gospel. And then he said, to the ends of the earth. There are three words that we have emphasized in that verse that guide us in what we're looking at today and as we go forward. First of all, he said, you're going to receive power. You'll be empowered. That's critical. He said, you're going to be. You don't earn it. You don't you know, deserve it. You don't fight for it. This power is a gift. You'll be. It's just who you are. And then he says, my, what kind of witnesses? Who is the church? What is the church? What do we do? We're witnesses of Jesus Christ, not witnesses of ourselves, not witnesses of a building or a church or denomination. We witness of him. We represent Jesus. Now, you know that Jesus had told his disciples, and I want you to get this, we need to make sure that the word of God works for me in your life right now. It's not history. We're not having a history lesson. We're having marching orders for today. Can somebody say amen to that? This works right now. If the gospel doesn't work in your life today, then it's not the real gospel. If it doesn't apply to what you're dealing with, we're, we're not learning truth. So here's what he had told the disciples. After his death and resurrection, he said, you're to go into the whole world. You're to teach everything I've taught you. You're to bring them to Christ. You're to make disciples. You're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. But then he said, after that, he said, however, don't go start that. Don't do that. Don't attempt to do that. Don't even leave Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit's come on your life. Why is that? Because God's assignment, listen to me, for us today, your assignment, say my assignment, my destiny, my purpose, your destiny, your purpose is greater than you are. Why would God give you an assignment that would not require him to be a part of it? Why would God design you to do something 
that you don't need God to be in the middle of it. So for all of us today, just like these disciples, he said, your wonderful assignment, your purpose, your gifting, your calling, the reason you're here is so unique and powerful that you cannot do it without me. You need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. So understanding that, let's understand that foundation and let's look at this spirit of fear that's trying to invade our lives today. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. How many are turning there? You say amen. Good. Well, that wasn't very many. How many else are going to? Let's find it. 2 Timothy 1 6. Find that. And I want you to look at these verses with me. I referred to this last week. Let's open it up a little more today. This, this is this, these verses talk about the spirit of fear. And I want you to understand, remember, this was written from Paul while he is in jail. He's in prison. It's written to Timothy, the young pastor, his young ministry protege, who is facing imprisonment and death for preaching the gospel. So these guys knew what it was like to face some legitimate challenges. And I want you to notice what he says here, verse 6. I want you to follow along with me with this. In fact, let, let, me, let me say something first. I, what we understand today, what we're dealing with, with the crises, the issues we're facing in our culture, I want you to get this. We as the church, I believe, have the only answers and solutions to what's going on today. Because without Christ, this is what we're left to. I want you to get this. Without Christ, here's all we have operating in our culture today. Broken people trying to fix a broken culture with broken ideas. I want to say that again. Without Christ, this is the best there is to offer. Broken people trying to repair a broken culture with broken ideas. Guess what that's going to produce? More brokenness. And so we have this incredible privilege, this incredible opportunity to understand God's Word, to walk it out in our lives, and to release that to the people around us. So let's look at 2 Timothy 1.6. Now here's a, he's dealing with a young man, a young pastor, in a crisis that makes what we face today seem to be pretty small. This is real stuff. So verse 6, he says this to Timothy. He says, okay, he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. So what does he say to Timothy? Let's read it again. For this reason, because the spirit of fear is rampant, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, let's watch this. Here's the picture in the Greek text, the original language here, fan into flame. The, the terminology is of a fire that has nearly died completely out. Have you ever, uh, you know, we don't see that as much as we used to, but maybe you've got a fireplace in your home, a real fireplace, not gas or electric. Or, you know, maybe you have that, or you had, or maybe in, in your backyard you've got a fire pit, or maybe, you know, you go camping every once in a while and, and, and you, you, know, you actually know how to make a fire. But here's the picture. A fire was burning, but it had been so long, it had died down. There were no more flames. There were just ashes over these embers. And if you just look at this kind of fire, it looks dead. It looks gone. It looks burnt out. How many of you remember, boy, this is going to date me a little bit. If some of you won't know what I'm talking about, just trust me on this, okay? Used to be these commercials that came on with a guy named Smokey the Bear. Okay, Smokey the Bear was always warning you when you're out camping, don't start a forest fire. So he would tell you before you leave, make sure you scatter the ashes, 
Pour water on it twice. You remember all that stuff so you don't start a fire. Why? Because if you look at these fires, the one Paul says to Timothy, your first look is that it's out. Watch this. But he said if you start fanning that, if you put the coals back together, that's why the devil wants to divide us so that the fire goes out. But if you put the coals back together and start fanning it, guess what happens? There's still something in there. Now, today, you might not feel very fiery for God. Maybe life is beating you up. But if you begin to fan the flame in your life, the fire starts burning back inside of us. Now, let me share my encounter with this verse. One day I was praying because I want to do what the Word says and, and I want to stay fiery for God. I want to be on fire. I want to be at my best for God. And I was praying, oh, God. Just fan the flames inside of me today. God, fan that flame. Let the fire rise up. Man, I was just praying. I was passionately praying. praying. God, I want fire. God, I want to be on fire. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. Fan the flame, God. And right in the middle of my prayer, the Holy Spirit said, you need to read that again. I said, what? I mean, I'm praying here. I'm going for it. Aren't you thankful for the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life? It's amazing. So the Holy Spirit said, Read that again. I said, okay. So I go to verse 6, and I said, okay. For this reason, I remind, oh, what does it say? I remind you. So what was wrong? I was praying, God fan the flame. And, 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 and the Bible says, you fan the flame. What? Well, God, I just want you to fan the flame. He said, that's your job. Now watch this, guys. Watch this. So what does God say? Timothy's dealing with fear. There's a pandemic of fear just like we're dealing with today. Watch this. So he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He said, Timothy, you need some fire. Because when the fire of the Holy Spirit in me begins to flame brightly, look at the next verse, God did not give you a spirit of timidity or fear. Do you know the anecdote for fear is fire? If there's a fire in you, the fear outside of you is not going to invade your life. But here's the issue. Everybody with me? We all want the fire, but we don't like the flame. Fan. <laughs> see, we, we want the fire, but we don't want a fan. We See, we, we even pray, well, God, let the pastor have the fire. Then I won't have to fan, but he can just lay hands on me, and the fire will burn in my life. How many are listening to me right now? See, we want fire, but we don't want a fan. We don't want to get in our Word and read our Bible and pray and walk when it's not easy. So, come on, let me hear you again. How many want to break the spirit of fear? Well, the answer to fear is fire. And the way I get a fire is I need to start fanning some stuff in my life. Now, you can put the fire out. There are a lot of things in our life that will extinguish the flames. How many understand what I'm talking about? I don't have to go through the list. You know what it is. In fact, I find most people have their own list of what puts the fire out. Come on, I don't need to go through it. You know what it is. So instead of pouring water on the fire, fan it. How do I fan it? I feed the Word. I feed worship. I feed prayer. I feed fellowship. And the good news is this. God says that you have the ability to fan the flames of the Holy Spirit that will stop fear from invading your life. It's a gift to us. We have that in us. That's why he says you need to be empowered. You need power. Paul said, Timothy, your power is in you. You need to fan it. You need to let the flames burn. And as they do, this spirit of fear has to begin to leave your life. Remember I told you last week, the spirit of fear torments, paralyzes, causes us to run away 
from the places God has assigned us. It keeps us from growing. We get weaker. The longer the spirit of fear works on your mind, what happens? We begin to get passive. We begin to stop fanning the flame. We start leaning back. We start getting stagnant. We start saying and thinking, this is never going to pass. I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to make it. Why do bad things always happen to me and good things happen to other people? You understand? See, that's putting the flame out. The fire will give us a response to that. We saw and you know that fire, that, that, that Satan is a liar. He's always lying about these things. But look at verse 7 again. What happens? He, we read here, for God did not give us this spirit of fear, but he gave us power. Instead of fear, he gave us power. Instead of fear, he gave us fire. And that fire burning in us will counteract the fear. But what happens when, look at those next two things there in verse 7. What happens when the fire of the Holy Spirit is operating? What happens when the power of God is working in my life? What happens next? Love, where, see it, and a sound mind. The love of God and a sound mind. Now listen, I want you to listen to me closely. We are a spirit-filled congregation. We, we, you call us whatever, Pentecostal, spirit-filled, charismatic. That's who we are. Now, a lot of people have preconceived ideas about what those groups are. Basically, it's this. Everything you read in the New Testament, we believe God's still doing. We believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, listen closely. We, we thank God. We see miracles happen all the time in this church. People are healed. Miracles happen. Provision happens. We see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating. But do you know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13? It says that the love of God is not our motivation. It's empty noise. Clanging symbol. It doesn't work. It doesn't have the effect. I want you to listen. Remember, we're to do what? Represent Jesus? And I want to make a bold statement. I want you to hear me. What do we find? The spirit of fear will stop us in our tracks. But the power of the Holy Spirit will really, listen, this, this is important, love and a sound mind. Now, I want to tell you something. If the church is not loving like Christ loves us and not thinking like Christ thinks, we're never going to represent him. We're never going to be like him. We're never going to solve the problems of a broken generation. I want to come back again. It's not enough to come in a building. It's not enough to have a Bible with my name on it. I have, I have that. It's not enough to do those things and go through the motion. Church family, listen to me. The proof that we belong to him is that we love like he loves. And we think like he thinks. We look at life from his perspective. If my experience with the Holy Spirit and my experience with God has not made that shift in my life, then I'm not going to be the witness of Jesus I need to be. How did that look like in his life? What did that look like? I want you to turn to John 13 and verse 1. I'm going to read a whole account of several verses a little longer than I normally do because I want you to see the love of God, the love of Christ, and the mind of Christ operating. All right? This is how we change the world. How many are with me right now? This is how we solve the problem. This is how we fulfill our role and represent Jesus. John 13, verse 1. The setting is the upper room. It's the Last Supper. The Last Supper. This is Jesus' final directions to the apostles who will found the church. Very important. Okay? I want you to watch this closely. Uh, John 13. I want to turn there and, and verse number one, John 13, one. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. 
and go to the Father. Now, you understand, there was nothing about that night that surprised him. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew he was about to be arrested. He knew he would be crucified before this time the next day. These were his last hours before the crucifixion. Everything was intentional. Are you with me? So watch this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. That's a powerful statement. He's about to demonstrate what the love of God looks like. We need to see this. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now look at this next verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. Did you get that? He knew that his power was greater than anything else. He knew who he was in his Father. He knew his authority. He knew his title. He knew his place. He knew that everything was under his power. Do you understand that? He knew no one on this planet was greater than him. He knew nothing could defeat him. He knew he was the Son of God. So let's remember that. So knowing that, what happened? Opposite of what this world does. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, did you get that? I want to read some more here. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus was fully aware of his place with the Father. He knew that he was above these disciples. He knew he had the power to do anything that God chose to do. And yet, his choice in that moment, why did he do it? We just read it, to show the full extent of his love. I think there's something lacking in the church today. It's the love of God. I think there's something that we don't have that we desperately need. It's the love of God. It's something that we should be living, demonstrating, walking out. And the love of God is not happening in the church. That's how we represent Jesus. So we read, you know, Peter did the... His thing, you know, Jesus began to wash his feet. Peter said, no, 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 don't wash my feet. And he said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not clean. He said, well, then wash me head to toe. Jesus said, that's not necessary. Let's go to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put, his, uh, put on his outer clothes and returned. Look at this. Returned to where? What does it say? He returned to his place. He knew who he was. I keep wanting you to understand that. He knew that he had stepped out of his privilege he knew that he had stepped out of his rights and had bowed down and washed the feet of these disciples who had just been arguing about who's going to be greatest. Who am I better than? Who am I superior to? Who's inferior to me? Who's the big guy? Who's the big one? And those selfish, narrow disciples, he said, I need to show you what love looks like. Now let's keep reading. Watch this. So, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now, listen to what he said. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
No, now listen to me closely. I don't want to rattle anybody's background and theology. There's some churches that do a foot washing as part of a church service. Now listen to me. That's fine. It's biblical. It's good. It's okay to do that. You hear what I'm saying? Fine thing to do. But I believe what Jesus is saying is not just the act of washing the feet. It's the attitude of washing the feet. Because, see, we could bring out the basins and the towels and the water and wash everybody's feet. And you could be gritting your teeth the whole time you're doing it. You know, fussing on the way to church and cussing on the way home. Not that any of you would do that. But, you know, and, and you know what happened with that foot washing? Zero. It's not my action, it's my attitude that he's speaking of here. And what he's saying, listen to me, to love like Jesus loved. Everybody still with me today? This isn't baby food today. It's not Gerber, it's meat, okay? See, because we need some real answers, not broken answers for a broken culture right now. And so let me help you with something. To love the people the way Jesus loves, the way we should, would make foot washing easy. You're with me? He's saying, you need to love people the way I loved you. Serve people the way I served you. Now watch me. I'm going to watch this. I'm, I'm going to make some application. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And so let me say to husbands and wives, okay? Let, let, let's, go, let's take it real. Husbands and wives. What if the husband and wife had the attitude, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to help you? You know, I have a lot. I've heard people say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll meet them halfway. Well, I'm glad Jesus didn't meet me halfway. I'd still be lost going to hell today. The love of God is not I will if you will. The love of God is here it is. And if we begin to say, I love you, I serve you, not, hey, it's my position. I got this. You got that. Don't get in my way. Don't get my stuff. Don't touch my thing. Don't get around me. No, no, no. We're saying to people that are difficult, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you like Christ loved me. I'm going to follow his example. Listen, do you think about this? Jesus knelt down. We read he knew everything about to happen and washed the feet of Judas Iscariot. He washed the dirty feet of the man who was about to betray him. Do you hear what I'm saying? He loved the unlovable. He loved the man that didn't deserve to be loved. He demonstrated that. As the church, we cannot afford to qualify who we love, who we're going to be honest to, who we're going to help, who we're going to show. I believe that there is a love. That the church can demonstrate that's real and genuine, not fakey, not just words, not just rituals, but we love each other so well that it represents Jesus. In fact, go to verse 34 and 35 in this same chapter. We have to see this because this is the nail on the deal. This is the clincher of this. See, fear, the spirit of fear, will keep us from loving like Christ loves. When the power of the Holy Spirit frees us from fear, we begin to love like Jesus. We begin to think like Jesus. So look at verse 34 in this same chapter, John 13. Now watch this. Jesus said, I'm about to tell you something that's unprecedented. Right? A new command. Wow. A new command. I give you love one another. Well, how? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then verse 35, one of the most radical verses in the New Testament. It's the only place that Jesus gave the unbeliever the right to judge us. But he did. He gave them a right to judge us. 
Verse 35. By this, all men, not just church men, not just church women, not just your mom and your daddy, right? Or in Alabama, not just mama and them, all right? He says, all men, by this all men will know, will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, church family, miracles and, and healing and signs and wonders are, are signs that point to the reality of God. You read the ministry of Jesus, his time on this earth, and the people followed him, it says, for the miracle's sake. But it was the platform for him to preach the gospel to them. So we need signs, wonders, and miracles as never before. A church empowered by the Holy Spirit with all the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But if we think that, apart from love, will get the job done, we're missing this thing. If we think your marriage can be what it ought to be apart from the love of God, we're missing this thing. If we think that we can heal a broken culture without the love of God, we're missing it. This is what's supposed to work. This is what the Bible just said. We just read it. Jesus said that you and I, are you with me, church, are supposed to love each other so well that the people watching us say, you know, I don't know about all that, but I sure like to be loved like that. I'd sure like for somebody to love me that way. People who've grown up broken in this culture, who never had the love of a father, who never had a strong home, who never had encouragement and strength and peace and affirmation and support and courage, would say, looking at the way you love someone, I love someone, we love each other. Don't you understand how what God has done for us at Calvary? It's such an opportunity. We're so diverse. We are generationally diverse. It's not just millennials. It's millennials. It's middle. It's seniors. We're denominationally diverse. We're every denomination and no denomination you can imagine in this church. We're racially diverse. Red and yellow, black and white. And we have an opportunity to love people that don't look like us in front of this world and for them to say, I want that. See, somewhere, sometime, people are going to get tired of fighting and are going to start saying, is there anything else? Is there something that will help us? We've been fighting and we're more divided than ever. But the love of God that says, I'll wash the feet of my betrayer. You may hate me. I'm going to love you. You may betray me. I'm going to love you. You don't look like me, but I'm going to love you. We may not understand everything about where we've come from, but when we love like Jesus loved, he said, the world is going to say they're legit. That's the real thing. I need to get in on that. I've never had that in my life. The love of God. The love of God. How do we love like that? We have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, if you've got somebody in your life that's unlovable, you need to fan the flame. God, I need some word. I need some spirit. I need some worship. Listen, if you've got somebody at work tomorrow you're going to go see and you know they're a pain in your foot, then what you need to do is before you go to work, don't go in there, I know this is going to be a hard day and I don't know why that person like that. Fan the flame. Listen, can I tell you what some of you need to do? Some of you need to turn that comic and television off with all the bad news. You need to get off your Facebook. If you're getting all mad and angry at people and upset, and you need to turn that junk off and fan. God, this is what your word says. This is what the spirit says. This is what I'm not, I'm not anti-television and, and Facebook. We use it for the glory of God. But I'm going to tell you, what's it, ask yourself, what is this doing to me? 
Is this fanning fear? Then you need to turn it off. Is it fanning hate? You need to turn it off. Is it making me mad at people? I don't know why I'm mad at them. You need to get off of it and fan the flame because we can love like Jesus loved. It's the power of God. It's our gift. It's the grace. See, see, we, we can, I, I love this. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. I want, I want you to read this verse. I want you to begin to make this declaration over yourself. This, this 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Notice this. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Okay. Usually we stop there. Well, nobody can know what God thinks. Look. So it's instructive. But know this. We have the mind of Christ. You can think like Jesus thinks. I didn't say you're Jesus. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you have the mind of Christ. That's what Scripture says. We can love like he loves. We can think like he thinks. We can see people the way he saw people. How many are thankful he looked beyond your fault and saw your need? How many are thankful that he loved us when we were unlovable? Some of us are so bad your mama didn't even love you anymore. But Jesus loved us. And the Bible says we have his mind. I want the mind of Christ. How many have had enough of your mind? <laughs> I need the mind of Christ. Somebody the other day said, I'm going to give you a piece of your mind. I said, of my mind. I said, no, thank you. I, I'd like the mind of Christ right now. All right? I want you to look at this next verse. So look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ will change the way we live. Philippians 2, verse 1. says, let, let me read this to you. Therefore, it may be a little different in, in this one. I'll just read from here. Therefore, if you have any encouragement... Let me ask you if anybody applies here. Anybody been encouraged as a Christian? Okay, we're qualified. All right. If any comfort, anybody been comforted by the love of God? All right. If any common sharing in the spirit, fellowship, yes, we've had that. If any tenderness and compassion, anybody had that from God? Yes. All right. So he's talking to us, verse 2. What does he say we are to do here? Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having this like-minded, having the same love. See the connection? Being one in spirit and of one mind. Can I ask you a question? Go to verse 3. How are we ever going to have the same mind, all of us, with all we've been through in life and all we've encountered? How are we going to ever have one mind if we don't have the mind of Christ? See, our, we're not going to get this done in the natural. How many understand what I'm saying? The church is not going to represent Jesus in the natural. We're not going to show them who he is till we begin to think like he thinks and love like he loves. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Do nothing, go to verse 3, we're good, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, what did Jesus do with the towel? Value others above yourselves, verse 4. Not looking to your own interest. Wow, remember the towel? But each of you to the interest of others. And look at verse 5. I like the way this says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. My translation says, have the same attitude. You know what needs to happen to us in the church? We need our attitudes baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need our attitudes baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that if we can begin to love each other like Jesus loved us? Now, that don't, that's not just a Sunday thing. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? It's not just, you know, listen, help your kids out. Help your family out. If, and, and, you know, I'm glad you come. Keep doing it. Keep trying till you get over it. But if every Sunday, come on, same thing. You fought all the way to church, okay? And the kids saw that. And then you, you walk in the church, all of a sudden, well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, brother. 
How you doing? Oh, it's a great day at our house. I'll tell you, we're just blessed. You know, we know all the phrase. You know, you look like it's going to be WWE in that car. If you'd gone another block, something we'd have to call 911. But you wheeled in the church parking lot. You know, I mean, it was like, you know what I'm talking about. It was part of my language. It was Hades in that car. And uh, that's kind of a Bible word, so I can use that word. And, uh, and, and, you, and the kids look at that, look at that, back and forth. Man, what are they going to do next? And then you walk in the front door. How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. And the kid's going, so that's blessed, huh? Huh? <laughs> then on the way home, rah, 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 you know, or sometimes you have fried preacher for lunch on the way home. Well, I don't know what's wrong, Pastor. Sorry. Who got, what do you mean talk about the love of God? Who does he think he is, love of God up there? I'll tell you one thing. If he lived in my house, he wouldn't have the love of God, you know. If he had to live with you, he wouldn't have the love of God. I'm telling you that much. I'm sorry. Somebody's got to do it. It's my job. Somebody's got to do it. But if our attitude could get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we begin to look at each other differently. Come on, let's go back to the towel and the serving and the betrayer. He said he demonstrated his love. So if you, you love like that around my house, you get taken advantage of. Listen, I get that. But you might just allow Jesus in that house. You start loving like he loves. Is it risky? You better believe it's risky. You start loving the way God loves, might people not return it? They might not. But they also might begin to see your life and go, you know, I believe they've got something going right now. I believe my husband got saved. I believe my wife got sanctified. I believe something happened today. You know, and you're going to begin, God will honor you doing the love of God in your life. Our attitude, our mind has to be that of Christ Jesus. Let, let, let me help you with something. Let, let me help you. And I, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, look at John chapter 11 and verse 16. Until you're thinking, until you have the mind of Christ, your life is going to be a constant hassle. It's not going to work. The way. In the presence of Jesus, you will not enjoy what's available to you. The freedom, the peace, the joy. Watch this. I love this. John 11 verse 16. I want to show you this. How many remember this guy, Thomas? What do we call Thomas? What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Remember, he was the same guy that said, well, I'm not going to, after the resurrection, they said, we, we saw the Lord. Of course, Thomas wasn't there. You know, if you're not online or on site, you're going to miss a lot. Don't shout me down. That was a good chance. I'm going to try it one more time. If you're not there, you're not going to see what happens there, right? Right. Okay. So Thomas wasn't there, and he said, well, if I don't see the scar in his hand and the scar in his side, I'm not going to believe. Well, next time Jesus shows up, he said, Thomas. So here he is again. Here's Thomas. Watch this. Now, we're in John 11. Remember what happened in John 11? Lazarus was raised from the dead. Remember to start the chapter, Mary and Martha sent for Jesus. The one you love is sick. So the disciple says, hey, we're headed there, I'm pretty sure. And he said, nope, just sit down. Jesus, he's sick. Just wait. So he waits intentionally. Lazarus dies. He's been dead four days. And Jesus said, okay, let's go. And they're like, oh, this is not good. He's going back to Judea where they had threatened to stone him to death the last time he was there. So watch Thomas. Then Thomas, known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Boy, thanks for that, Thomas. <laughs> now he wants to go. Sure, Jesus, let's all go. They're going to kill him, going to kill us. Let's just go. Boy, don't you love a guy like that? Now watch this. I want to help you with something. He wasn't thinking like Jesus thinks. Are you with me? His attitude hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
He didn't get it yet. And here's a point I want to make. They're on their way to one of the greatest miracles in Jesus' ministry. Lazarus being raised from the dead was the catalyst for the crowd that came out on the uh, triumphal entry. It was one of the greatest witnesses of Christ in his whole three years of public ministry. So watch this. I want to help. Listen to this terms I'm going to give you right now. Here's Thomas headed to a great moment, but he was miserable on the way to a miracle. I mean, you hear what I just said? Here's old Thomas, miserable on the way to a miracle. I know some people. I know none of them go to church here. Okay, it's probably your friends somewhere. But I know Christians who are in the presence of God, the promises of God, full of the Holy Spirit at one time. And, 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 but now, in the presence of God, miserable on the way to a miracle, forgetting who he is, forgetting what he promised. He said, if you'll fan the flame, fear has to leave you. If you'll trust me, fear has to go. We sing, we're in the Father's house. Miracles happen, blessings happen, prodigals come home. But some people live their life in misery on their way to their next miracle. Why don't we allow God to change the way we think, to renew who we are so that we enjoy the journey and God uses us along the way? How many chances to represent Jesus do we miss because we're miserable all the time in the presence of Jesus let me give you one more we're going to wrap look at this this is in John 12 37 I want you to understand this because I believe it's fundamental to where we are in our witness in our life John chapter 12 verse 37 are you ready to look at this even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence. Are you with me? These people had seen it, witnessed it, been there, even after. He had performed so many signs in their presence. Look at the, look at the verbiage here. They still would not believe in him. It didn't say could not. It says would not. You understand that was a choice. That was a decision. They saw his miracles. He clearly demonstrated who he was. And they looked at him and said, no, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to do it. You know what I find for a lot of us? It's not that we could not. It's that we would not. It's not that we were incapable of doing something. We just didn't want to. We didn't choose to. We looked at it and said, I'm not going to wash the feet of that betrayer. I'm not going to love that person that I'm not sure is not going to love me back. I'm not going to be happy before the miracle. I'm going to be miserable before the miracle. I'm not going to be the kind of person that loves risk with risk. Man, we sing about today one of the songs, The Furious Love of God. Man, don't you just wipe my sins away. One of the songs we sing, some people get a little antsy about it because it doesn't sound churchy, The Reckless Love of God. What does it mean? It's not that he's reckless. It means he just loves you despite who you are. Right? And so we come to those moments and we love that, but what about our time? They would not believe. They had the evidence and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do it. 
So I want you to turn to this. Worship team wants you to come. I want you to look at this last passage with me. We, we were looking at this last week. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. How many say, Pastor, I want to live in the blessing of God? How many want to do that? You want to live there? How many want to be out from under the spirit of fear? I want to love like he loved me. I don't have the right to not love like he loves me. I want to love like he loves me. I want to think like he thinks. I believe that the fire of the Holy Spirit can free me from fear. Fear robs you of peace. Fear robs you of love. Fear tells you, you better not love, you better hate. You better not trust, you better be suspicious. You better not. I refuse to live my life as a believer with the power of God in me and be miserable every day of my life because of the fear that's going on around me. I am walking to my next miracle. You hear what I'm saying? You're on the way to your next miracle right now. We are walking to a miracle. I refuse to be miserable along the way. I don't want to be surprised every time God does what he says. I want to be thinking in before I get there. I want to be on my way to Lazarus' tomb saying, I can't wait till we get there. What will Jesus do next? That's the mind of Christ. Jesus knew who he was. He knew the position God had for him, and he chose to live that. Now, church family, let's look at this in the King James translation. I want you to get this. It's critical because we have to do this to get there. For though we walk in the flesh, one translation, so even though we live in this world, right? Welcome to humanity, okay? For even though we walk in the flesh and live in this world, we do not war after the flesh. Our spiritual battle is not a fleshly battle is what he's saying. You with me? Let's go to the next one. For the weapons of our warfare, the spiritual battle, the one I've been preaching to you today, are not carnal. They're not weak. They're not fleshly weapons. What are they? They are mighty, mighty. Say mighty. Through God. We don't get there without him. Mighty through God to what? To the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? Look at this next verse. Where are they? I've taught you this before. Casting down imaginations. That's here. That's where they are, right there. And every high thing. See, a stronghold is a wall that's built up in your mind. Listen to me closely. And so we don't have the mind of Christ. We're double-minded. We don't have the love of Christ because we have strongholds. Listen to me. So the stronghold is a wall that compartmentalizes your life. So here's what we do. Well, I love the guys that love me, but I'm not going to love that guy that's going to betray me. See the stronghold? I live on this side, and I think everything's fine, and on this other side of my thinking, damage is being done. I admit I'm this guy that loves some people. I don't deal with that I'm the guy that doesn't love some people. Okay? Casting down imaginations, look at this, and every high thing that exalts itself, that divides my mind, my love, and my peace against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, are you seeing this? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now listen to me. I want to help us with something. I know I'm, I know I'm on risky ground. I know I'm talking about things that are delicate and easier not to talk about. But I'm your pastor. And we need to look at the Word together. Everybody with me? Okay. There's some things going on in our culture, a term we hear called systemic racism, and it's real. And what happens with the, the killing of a, a man like George Floyd, then, then the, the, the dealing with that, that people have had to deal with their lives, that happens and boom, here it comes bubbling up because it's there. It's real. 
Now listen to me. I'm for every conversation to solve those problems and get us together. We have to. I'm for every legislation that makes equality and justice more available. Everybody with me? You know who I am. You know what, what I believe. You know what this church stands for. Sometimes lately I've been in conversations and I'm the only guy standing. I've been by myself in some stuff. I mean, I've, whoo, it's all right. Because I wasn't by myself. God was with me. Now listen, but, but listen, I recognize those things. We deal with those things. We're going to work. But I want to tell you something. But if I don't tell you the rest of this, I'm a politician, not a prophet. I don't think you want that for your pastor. So those things are real and are happening and we're dealing with them. But I want to tell you something. There's something that's the root, the stronghold, that causes racism. Just like there's systemic racism, hidden things. What does that mean? It means that we have strongholds that we didn't know we thought like over here. Come on, don't run away from me now. See, I know that I like this side of my thinking, but I didn't know I had that kind of thing. I, I, I look at you if it's easy, but whoa. So we need, to, we need God to rip some things down. And bring it all under the obedience of Christ. Well, listen, but that's never going to happen until we acknowledge that the real problem is systemic sin. 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 We're not going to solve racism until we deal with sin in our life. We're not going to solve unity until we deal with sin in our life. We're not going to love like Jesus loved until we deal with sin in our life. Until we stop putting out the flame of the Holy Spirit with sin in our life, we're not going to have the fire to stop the fear. Until I humble myself and repent and say, God, there's some junk going on in my life. Now, I told you, if I don't tell you all this, I'm a politician, not a prophet. And it's harped with every one of us individually. I have to say, God, I refuse to live with strongholds in my thinking. I refuse to be limited in who I love. I refuse to hide behind the walls in my mind. I repent. I confess. You're right. I'm wrong. I want it gone. Then the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to have place in my life. Because, see, fire always brings light. When the, yep, thank you, Lord. Amen. I take that. See, heaven said amen. When the fire burns, you see what's going on in all those dark corners. I didn't want to talk about, think about. Now I see it. And I say, tear the stronghold down, God. Come on, stand up with me now. Don't leave. Just stand up. Come on, stand. See, miracles are easy compared to loving people. <laughs> Woo. You understand what I'm saying? We start to love. We, we get real with this stuff. And you know what happens when we really begin to love? Then the world says, man, I need that. I want that. Can I go there and people love me like that? You mean people will love me? I'll be accepted? I can have hope? Yes. 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 And you know what we can do as a church? Listen to me. I can love you without approving your behavior. Love doesn't mean what you're doing is okay. That's not how Jesus loved. And we're okay to say that. There are people that are, everyone on this planet is welcome to come in this church. Does that mean I'm going to have to agree with what you do? No. No. But I'm going to give you a shot. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love you if you don't love me. I'm going to love you if you come, didn't like what I said, and stomp out. I'm going to love you. <laughs> see? Because that's how Jesus loved us. And maybe if I love you, see, maybe, maybe, but I don't know why I'm saying this. I think somebody, in fact, the Holy Spirit just told me, you're doing this. <laughs> you're the guy watching right now. Come on. He got you. Let's just talk. All right? Maybe you got to get mad at me one time 
for me to love you and really prove that he's real. You get that? Holy Spirit just released that. Maybe we don't know if love's real until somebody treated you ugly one time. How do I know I love you? How do they know you love them until they did something they shouldn't have done and you love them anyway? They betrayed you and you washed their feet anyhow. So, hey, I love you. <laughs> we love you. God loves you. And you know what? Even if you didn't like it, I'm going to love you till you think about it and come back again. Come on, let's just make it happen. So let's pray first. God, tear the strongholds down in my life. You know what I found out? I've wasted a lot of time and energy in my life worrying about other people getting right. How many heard what I just said? I need to worry about me being right. God's pretty big. He can take care of everybody else. Can we let everybody else go right now? And let's talk about ourselves. Father God, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. God, we want to be real above everything. We want to be real. Lord, we don't want to play church. We want to be the church. We don't want to go through the motions. We want to live with the fire of your presence burning in our hearts. Lord, we know that fire will deal with fear and we win this thing. God, we need to fan it. We need to address these strongholds in our life. The way we have thought, the way we have limited our love and compartmentalized our thinking, we're wrong and we repent in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, it's risky, it's frightening, it, but, but that's how we move into this next place in our life. You'll show yourself so real. And we just may launch the next move of God by loving like you loved and thinking like you think. We praise you, God. Now, right now, because you've been honest with the Lord and, and, and you've, been, you, you, you've just been real before him, can I tell you what's happening? The fire of the Holy Spirit is being loosed on you right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, strongholds are falling. I bind strongholds in Jesus' name. I cast down imaginations in Jesus' name. We bring our thoughts under the obedience of Christ. We stop loving partially, and we just love. We stop judging, and we start loving. We start letting you be the judge, and we be the ones who love. We release it. We honor you. We trust you. We repent before you. We say no more of anything but your genuine working in our life. Father, today fan the flame, the fire that break fear off of us. Today, change the way we love. Change the way we think. Cause the church to be the church. Lord, it's not easy, but we're going there. It's not comfortable what we need. And so we can't wait for who you're going to make us to be. We can't wait for the freedom that's starting right now. We can't wait to be the re- presenting you to this world it's the hope we say yes we say yes we surrender and say yes to you today father there is hope there is bright things there are good things there is fire there is presence that we're walking in god thank you thank you god that you're with us for us in us through us god that we're part of the hope of this world because of you we love you we thank you god we give ourselves to that today. Church, not just now. That's got to be a daily journey for us right now. God, it's a daily thing. The strongest people in the world are those that love. The strongest people, the greatest men, the best women are people who will love like Jesus loved. That takes strength.